When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. We made it. It's the weekend. Hope you had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend plan. We have an awesome show planned for you today. It's going to be a little tighter. We're going to do things a little tighter on this Friday. Steve Kim, Shamika Michelle is going to join me. We're going to talk about uh, something sad but profound uh, for this show and this time uh, that we're living in going to do it with Steve Kim, even though you're going to be like, why are you talking to Steve Kim about this? Because no one is more immersed in the black manosphere than the Korean Cosell. And, and I, the Korean Cosell may know more about the guy we're going to talk about here at the top of the show, Kevin Samuels, than, than perhaps even I do. Steve Kim lives in the black manosphere. He sends me stuff all the time that he finds interesting. Some of the shows you've seen me go on, The Angry Man and other people. It's because uh, Steve Kim has introduced me to them. And today is the uh, sad one year anniversary of the death of Kevin Samuels. And if you watch this show, uh, you can see or you should hear the influence of Kevin Samuels on this show. Kevin Samuels, for those of you that don't know, was a terrific YouTuber uh, who built an incredible following on Instagram and on YouTube, talking about the uh, dynamics between black men and black women, primarily as it relates to relationships. He was the king of the manosphere and the king of, you know, criticizing pushing back against matriarchal culture and the unrealistic expectations of a lot of women in general, black women in particular. He had an awesome, awesome show. He died unexpectedly a year ago today in, you know, under somewhat mysterious circumstances. There was a woman with Kevin at the time. Uh, I don't know if we ever got a full or complete story about what happened. I think they said Kevin died of hypertension and perhaps had a stroke or a heart attack. But he's left a huge void in the, his departure, left a huge void in the manosphere that I'm not sure has really been filled. We do something in somewhat in the lane of, of Kevin Samuels, but we come at things obviously from a very biblical point of view. We mix in discussion of sports. But if you listen to this show and follow this show closely, you can hear that thread. You can see that thread of like, hey man, we have a matriarchal problem in America. Feminism is ruining America. And the dynamic, the relationship between black men and black women is so toxic, so poisonous, so destroyed that 
it's, it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel and we can see the negative ramifications of those of that relationship breakdown throughout American culture. So I wanted to spend some time today celebrating, remembering uh, Kevin Samuels. I want to give him his propers, his respect. I know uh, Tommy Sotomayor will probably see this, and and <laughs> if you guys know Tommy, he he takes credit for Kevin Samuels and. Anybody that talks about relationships between men and women, uh, Tommy says he invented that and we're all just copying Tommy. So he may be upset that we're celebrating Kevin Samuels today, but I'm not. Uh, I want to remember Kevin Samuels. He's an inspiration. He, he did great work. He put out a great show, sparked a discussion I think was very important. And I'm just going to keep it real. We've been mimicking some of that. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Steve Kim. Uh, Welcome to Fearless, normally, you know, and we're going to talk some uh, the big George Foreman movie as well with Steve Kim. Steve and I both went to go see it. So did Shamika Michelle. We'll get her thoughts on it as well. But Steve, I, I wanted to start out just talking about giving Kevin Samuels his flowers. He was the king of the manosphere and it has inspired many of us that are trying to capture some of his audience. You know, Jason, as you bring me on to talk about the Black Manosphere and uh, Kevin Samuels, boy, we've come a long way since the uh, 1992. That, that, I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, boy, time sure flies. I remember when he passed away suddenly that uh, I was actually in Las Vegas for a fight last year. I believe it was uh, Oscar Valdez against Shakur Stevenson. Um, you know, with, with uh, Kevin Samuels, it wasn't so much the messaging, which I thought was incredibly important. But for me, as someone that goes on the air and debates topics or talks about things, what I really took from him was presentation, how analytical he was and how fact-based and how driven he was by knowledge and the truth. And actually to remain calm in the face of people that might get emotional to really say, hey, th these are my points. It's not going to change. I'm going to stay composed. You can fly off the handles. Call me whatever you want but stick with the messaging, but be well-researched in whatever point you argue, whatever vantage point you have. That's, that's the thing. I mean, I still watch Kevin Samuels to this day, not just for laughs, and trust me, there are a lot of laughs that you can glean from it, but I, I do think he was part, and I don't want to give him all of the credit, because like you said, there have been other people like Tommy, who, by the way, is back. I don't know if he's been banned yet, but it's good to see Tommy back for at least a while. Um, but... He, I think, was a, a um, was a, a lightning rod for a lot of things that men have to start sticking up for themselves. The world is not always fair. In fact, it might be uh, against us in a lot of ways. And, and I think his message went beyond just black men. I think that's what people don't understand. The black manosphere in a lot of ways is the manosphere. Because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I really listen to mostly black content creators for the most part. And I'll tell you why is because they are not afraid. White men have capitulated to a point that they're all just a bunch of cucks. Yeah, I said it, cucks. They are afraid to say anything that will be deemed racist or offensive, and they back down, and they start to say things, softening their message, not wanting the blowback, while a lot of the guys that I listen to, and I can give you the list of my, well, my main lineup is, they're not afraid, and that is something that I do respect. Who are these guys that are trying to replace Kevin Samuels? Well, I don't know if they're trying to replace them, but these are the guys that uh, if they come up on my YouTube timeline, I'll go out of the way and I will obviously 
make time to watch them, give them a like, give them comments. And uh, they're not all Manosphere guys. And, and some of them are political. Some of them are more societal. But obviously, Ock Nation, that's my favorite son, man. Uh, I, and I'm his biggest Crouching Tiger fan. Ock Nation, salute to you, brother, as always. Um, <laughs> chaotic Truth. This guy gets on panels and just blows stuff up like the Unabomber. Chaotic Truth, salute to you. Tommy Sotomayor, I've been through you. I've been with you for 15 different channels. It's hard to find you. You disappear. You get banned all the time. But you rise from the ashes like the mighty phoenix. Tommy, you, you're, some of your rants are some of the funniest things ever. Angry man. Love angry man. Very soothing. He's the angriest, calmest guy I've ever seen. He can be seething, but he can be so soothing, and he puts you to sleep. And then you act like rewind it as you wake up. Anton Daniels. You were on his show a couple months ago. You had a very good dis uh, discussion and debate. I love that. You guys are allowed to disagree, and you should debate them and have a conversation and see if we can come to a middle ground. But Anton Daniels, salute to you. Trey NBD, more of a political guy, not as big. I like him, like the message that he brings about this is capitalism. We love America. We should be proud of this country, and, and let's be great Americans. And also, Jada Black. I like, like Jada Black. I sent you some of his stuff. Um, he's a funny guy. I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he and I, I love retweeting him. And it's funny, not, not a lot of people retweet him for whatever reason. Um, the algorithm seems to be against him. But uh, Jada Black, thumbs up to you. And also, O'Shea Duke Jackson. Now, there's a guy, I don't always agree with what he says, but I've said this before. We should be allowed to disagree. And the most pretentious thing you can say is, well, I don't always agree with somebody. Yeah, guess what, Buster? You're not supposed to. So that's basically my foundational list right there. That's my 27 Yankees. I'm probably, if I'm missing anybody, I, my apologies. I'll bring it up later. But that's my murderer's row of the manosphere. So what I think Kevin Samuels represents and the manosphere represents is that for now, the only place to find truth and an authentic discussion is on YouTube not yes. on regular right. television because Kevin Samuels actually is what Steve Harvey would be if they allowed the truth to be spoken on regular <laughs> TV. I'm being serious. I, 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 I saw I saw Kevin Samuels as like, oh, because the way he dressed sharp and he talked about relationships. Steve Harvey put out that book and then movie. What does it think like a man, act like a woman? You know, Kevin Samuels' book would have been named something completely different, but but, but Steve Harvey's kind of boxed in, and so he plays like the Oprah Winfrey role, whereas Kevin Samuels is just like, no, I'm, I'm playing. I'm gonna represent dudes here, and 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 I, I just think it represents how you have to be on the internet to get anywhere close to the truth, as opposed to being on linear television. No, there's no doubt. And one other name, Black Gen Z, he's never on demon time. That's like his thing. But anyway, Steve Harvey panders. Let's be honest. The reason why he's at that particular place and that platform, it, it's the only thing he can say to keep that job, honestly. And some of the stuff he says, you're just like, geez, you must really enjoy that paycheck. Not that I blame you. I get it. All of these guys are afraid, but they understand that there's an approved messaging. And if they stray from it, guess what? People will turn off. The core audience seems to be females for him, right? And I, I just feel as though he strayed so far away from what he once was or wants to be. Because the, the reality is this, Jason. If he wants to stay there, he has no other choice. 
I'm going to give you an analogy. I wonder if you can even relate to it or is it too much even for Steve Kim? Steve Harvey is uh, the traditional black church. Kevin Samuels was Louis Farrakhan. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, and so Steve well, Harvey's T.D. Jakes yeah. is T.D. Jakes <laughs> and and Kevin Samuels is Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, I, I could say that. Uh, and the fruits of Samuels, they, they had their own word. I, I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, the, the thing that got me about um, Kevin Samuels was he must have been well read. I mean, the, the stats and the facts, in, in, in a lot of ways, I think he's an offshoot of Thomas Sowell. The delivery, the calm, reasoned way that they would bring the facts. And the one thing that I respected that I thought was really interesting about Kevin Samuels, especially when he was alive and he would do his live um, stream. So he'd be on there for three, four, five hours. And he would basically demand, look, if you want my knowledge, you better pay. I better get some super chats. And those things came in like the Jerry Lewis telethon. I was like, whoa, man. But every single thing that he did, he was dressed very well. So he had a persona about, and again, I go back to presentation in a visual form that whether he was in a hotel room or as an apartment, wherever he lived, he understood, look, I am also a performer. This is what we do. He is a performer. He's an entertainer and an educator. But so he used to be in like uh, men's fashion, like he used to give fashion tips, how to wear cologne, stuff like that. So then he naturally evolved to giving life advice for both men and women. But you never saw him wearing, you know, like a hoodie. He was always dressed very well. Like literally he's the one guy after every single stream or show that he did, he could just turn off his laptop and go to the club or a nice bar at a four star hotel. And he was good. So he understood like he took this very, very seriously. And I know that there is a debate and there's been some conflicts and some arguments about who started the Manosphere, who was the most influential, who copied who. My view is this. People have to be willing to have different points of view, even when they are on the same side. And it should never be about just one voice, an oracle, if you will. There should be multiple voices. And everyone should try to work with each other because we're all in, in a certain ways uh, trying to work towards the same goal. So I, I didn't really like the rivalries. I never really got involved in it. If one guy didn't like another, look, I can listen to Cool Modi and LL Cool J as I show my age. That's the only hip-hop rap that I care about. Believe. But I can listen to both. <laughs> I preferred Cool Modi over LL, but I listen to both. So um, Kevin Samuels will be missed, but I think there's a lot of good, strong men on a daily basis carrying that torch. All right. Uh, speaking of good, strong men and performances, uh, I went to go see the Big George Foreman movie this week and absolutely loved it. The way many people feel about Top Gun Maverick is how I feel about the Big George Foreman movie. I thought it was fabulous. I, I, I thought what a tremendous, it's like I knew the George Foreman story, but I really didn't know it. And so I loved this movie for that. Uh, the, the, the guys that played George Foreman, I think there was three different, a kid, middle-aged guy, or a young, young man, and then the older George Foreman, I thought they did a terrific job. Don't know any of their names. I thought the, the other thing, my other, other than loving the movie, my other thing that I have to say, Steve, oh, no. is I George Foreman's first wife 
<laughs> is the most beautiful woman I think I've ever seen. The oh, actress that played his first wife is, and so I went down a rabbit hole. As soon as the movie was over, I got home and hopped on my laptop and went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out who this is. Just spectacular, but love wow. this movie. Recommend it to everybody. Wow, so Tamron Hall, move over bacon, make way for something younger and leaner. I get you, she, she's, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. as much as I hated Creed Three. I feel the opposite about the Foreman movie. And I was not necessarily a George Foreman fan or even I really didn't like him as an announcer on HBO. I thought they did a hell of a job. I, I get it. Some of this stuff you have to divorce from reality. It's Hollywood. But the attention to detail in terms of the, the sweat, sweats that he wore, the hats that he wore. Tell you what was really impressive. And one thing, again, I'm a boxing purist in a lot of ways. I cannot help that. And the great thing is I'm never going to change. The fight scenes for the Thriller in Manila and the other ones, I thought were really well done. In fact, the way the original first version of George Foreman threw punches, they did a great job because he had, his, he had his own unique technique where he would club guys to death. Right. He was not exactly Larry Holmes or Muhammad Ali in terms of shooting out quick punches, but those big ham hocks, the way he would pull back on his punches, and then the way he evolved as a fighter – much more fuel efficient by the time he fought Michael Moore. I thought, wow, they really did a good job. Even the uh, the ring attire, they got it right. My only quibble about this movie, and you can call it minor or major, I think they did not even mention a gentleman by the name of Bill Kaplan, who really, Jason, is one of the five most important people in George Foreman's life and career. And I'll tell you why. Bill Kaplan, old-time publicist, um, I've known him for years. He actually got he's – he's an old-school press agent or a publicist. And when George Foreman was a young amateur in his sixth fight, Bill Kaplan happened to be the ring announcer, played many roles in boxing at the Oakland Municipal Auditorium. George Foreman lost an early amateur bout. So during the intermission, Bill Kaplan had to do other things, and he sees a young George Foreman with his head down on his chest like this. And this is in books. And he said, hey, George. Don't worry about it. You're a good young fighter. Keep at it. Don't give up. George Foreman actually wrote, I was about to quit boxing till that man came up to me and said, hey, you can do this. And he became his publicist. And he, he was with them throughout his whole career. Great story. So you go to Zaire. He loses that fight. Everyone gets out of the locker room. Like, they got the hell out of there. One man remained in the locker room the whole time. It was Bill Kaplan. So when the media came in, this is in, also in books, George Foreman said to the media, before any questions are asked, I want to say one thing. I found my one true friend, that man right there, Bill Kaplan. That's what I want to say before. And, and I, Bill Kaplan said he nearly fainted. So fast forward to 1986, as, as, as George Foreman is secretly working out, Bill Kaplan finds out about it, and him and his daughter, Debbie, also worked a long time in boxing. They, without warning visit George Foreman and they go to Houston and there's a driving up Foreman sees them on the porch and they get out of the car and they walk up and George Foreman goes, what took you so long? He was waiting for him. And Bill Kaplan actually had to deliver the presentations to the California state athletic commission before his first fight. Cause they would not license him. Cause if you notice that fight against Steve Zowski was at the Arco arena, which they did another good job of, 
Um, the commission actually had to get medical reports. They had to get presentations and they had to go have them go through a battery of tests. And it was Bill Kaplan throughout that whole time was with them. So that's the only quibble that I have. Um, but other than that, the thing I liked about it is that it, it was actually an uplifting story. They didn't make it negative. We all knew what happened in that time. But they presented a great American character as a great American success story. That's interesting about Bill Kaplan because that that relationship could have yeah. been the center of the movie. Yeah. And that may be why they avoided it because yeah. and I had no problem. And again, a lot, a lot of times I have problems with this whole matriarchal thing, but they made it about George and his mom more than yeah. uh, anybody else. She, she she would have to be seen as the co-star and then maybe his second wife as yeah. as as the other, you know, perhaps co-star, but maybe they didn't want to do the Kaplan thing. Well, the, they showed who who is the story about the guy screwing up his money? Is that is that true? That that is true. I don't know how close they were, but I I've, I've seen other documentaries where they mentioned someone took his money. I'm glad that they also really gave a, a, a big role to Doc Broadus. That's a man who gave his life to boxing. Yes. Doc Broadus, I remember, uh, I never really got to meet him. I talked to him one time, but during the, when I first got into the beat in the late 90s, um, he was always, a, he always found, uh, looked like a very distinguished man. He was always dressed well, and he would always be given a ticket or a pass to the fight by the promoters. He was an exalted figure, and when he walked in, people treated him with respect. And I thought that was a really, I'm glad they got Archie Moore. Because Archie Moore taught him a lot of the finer points of boxing. I think they, they, they got that one pretty good. The only fight that I wish they would have at least devoted a minute to, and I sent it to you, his fight with Ron Lyle. Jason, that may be the greatest heavyweight slugfest ever. It only went five or six rounds, and there was like six or seven knockdowns. I've never seen heavyweights hit each other that many times, knock each other off their feet, be out on their feet, and then George Foreman somehow found a way to overcome one of the hardest-hitting heavyweights of all time. I mean, he's, he's an amazing fighter. As I start doing a deep dive into Foreman, when you start doing all-time heavyweight lists, it's Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes. I think George Foreman has to be up there. The guy won the heavyweight title 20 years apart. That'll never be done again. And, and the thing that I thought they did a good job with, because my memory was fuzzy, but like Michael Moore was a real fighter. Yes. And, and he didn't knock out some tomato can to get that second belt. Michael Moore was yeah. a real deal. And, well, and, and I, liked th I liked that. Michael Moore was a hard-hitting southpaw, originally from Winneson, Pennsylvania, was a protege of Emmanuel Stewart originally and went to the famous Kronk. And what happened was is that Moore won the title in a really close fight against Evander Holyfield. So that's a legitimate win. And Michael Moore, even after that stunning loss, was able to regain the heavyweight title. And then he lost uh, to Evander Holyfield in the rematch in 1997. I remember actually being at that fight. So, yes, Moore was a real fighter. I mean, so... When you look at George Foreman, I just look at a great American success story because he has said throughout the years, and again, this is not a political statement, but he would say sometimes he just blurred out, oh, I want to thank Lyndon B. Johnson for the job corps. It saved my life. He was always proud of it. He never hid from it. 
And my greatest fear when I watch these movies that go back in time is they try to wokeify it. Wokeify it to a point that they don't tell the truth. Okay? Here, I thought they did a good job of basically really telling you the story of, of an underdog who persevered. He went through ups. He went through downs. He wasn't always a great person. But at the end, you said, okay, we got the story. Like, it, it, it's believable. And to me, that's important. Here's a controversial opinion. I only want, like, a 30-second response to this because I got to let you go. George Foreman would have beat Muhammad Ali in a rematch. Yes. There's a reason why Ali didn't give it to him. I think it's really that simple. And he would have probably fought a more intelligent fight. But there came a point, Ali should have retired probably after the thriller in Manila. He was on borrowed time. So that's one of those fights you could probably do it one time. You were probably never going to be able to do it twice. Thank you, Steve. Great job. Have a great weekend. Uh, I want to tell you guys, summer's coming. It's just around the corner. Are you ready to unveil your beach bot? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming hygiene products. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers' chest hair. And if you grow a winter man chest, at least uh, the least you can do is make sure it's hairless. It's time to get ready for a hot guy summer. Oh, boy. Is it hot guy summer? How about hot old man summer? Uh, going to Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FEARLESS. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence level, up your full body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or the treasure chest down below, this is the best trimmer on the market. Their trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. Having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FEARLESS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FEARLESS at manscaped, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. All right, don't go anywhere. Shamika Michelle. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. Shamika, we're talking today about Kevin Samuels. I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball. This is the one-year anniversary of uh, Kevin Samuels' unexpected sad death. I want to throw you a bit of a curveball in how we talk about Kevin Samuels. There's a lawyer, Ebony K. Williams, who's been in the media space for a long time. Uh, Ebony's attractive. She's probably 40 years old. She used to work at Fox News. I think maybe had a cup of coffee with Fox Sports, maybe been with CNN and other networks, but I think she does something now with the Grio. And she got in a conversation earlier this week about um, 
would she date, she's single, Ebony Williams is, uh, would she date a bus driver? And she said she'd date a bus owner. <laughs> and that sparked some controversy uh, in the Twitter sphere and along social media lines. And so she, she's taped a response to the controversy she sparked. And I'm wondering what you think about what she says and what Kevin Samuels' take would be about what she says. So let's watch Ebony K. Williams here and her comments elaborating on her thoughts, bus driver versus bus owner. So out of the 50,000 plus comments posted on social, I only saw a handful that even considered the possibility of a bus owner being a more aspirational position and recognizing that I am actually speaking and pouring into the ascension of black men when I said what I said. But see, no, some of y'all were too busy naming and shaming me personally and black women in general as undesirable gold diggers and much worse. Now, I suspect that some of y'all are the same men that were bringing home C's and D's on your report cards, only to then be coddled by parents that said, well, that's OK, as long as you're doing your best. Well, listen, I love and believe in the excellence of black men. So no, my dear, C's and D's or any other form of mediocrity is not okay. No, I will not create a soft place for you or anybody that I love to fall comfortably into the bigotry of low expectations. So I'm gonna say one more time, there's absolutely nothing wrong with driving a bus. My mother Gloria drove one for years. But could it be that black America has been sold a narrative of average, regular, and typical being good enough for us? Hmm. Well, see, that's called white supremacy. And in this case, it takes the form of conditioning black Americans to happily accept being a permanent American underclass. But see, because I know the truth about black folk in America, no, average is not and will never be good enough for me. And the gag is, I don't think it's good enough for you either. Mm. So, Ebony Williams, bus drivers should be single and lonely and never, because <laughs> that's average. And I, it, your take, I, I, and again, that, I don't know if that's my full opinion. So, your take. Well, first of all, her eyebrows are distracting since she wants to go after <laughs> excellence. Let's get some excellence with those first. Uh, but, you know, she never actually talked about the character of the man. So it would then allude to the fact that you are a gold digger. What if this bus driver was happy? What if this bus driver came home every evening? What if this bus driver's average check paid for you to have a place to stay and food to eat and, and, and clothes on your back? What if this average bus driver was a good father? So she never talked about his character. She assumed that because he had what she considered an average job, that he wasn't a good man. So when you equate uh, someone's paycheck with who they are, it does make you look like a gold digger. It does make you look like you don't have any real type of conversation and any real argument. What she said was dumb because this average man could be a good man. And that is why she is almost 40 years old and she's by herself. And I don't know 
what Kevin Samuels would say, but she needs to look into becoming the spokesperson for the Rose because that's all she's going to have with that type of condescending talk towards black men. She's not going to have anything. I think Kevin would have gave her that little sound he would give when he would hang up on people and just know that they're beyond help. Because for her to double down on what she said, even after talking to Ayala Van Zandt, she may be beyond help. So let's move on to the next person. Shamika, what if my position when I watched this early this morning is that, hey, she's being completely honest and revealing the nature of women. Women want a provider, and a provider at a level that makes them comfortable. And so she's a lawyer, uh, she has no kids, she's used to living a certain lifestyle, and she wants a man that can provide for her at that lifestyle. Yeah, she, she didn't unpack it properly, but that's basically what she's saying, that in, within her nature, she's looking for a provider. And, and, and so I don't like what she said. She should be looking for character and all these other things, but women are always going to prioritize can this person provide for me at a level that I'm comfortable? That's gonna be first and foremost. Men have a different nature. And it's like, is this woman going to be loyal to me? Is she going to be supportive of me? I will provide for her if she's loyal to me, supportive of me, and a good parent for the kids that we produce. And so we don't care about, we're not sitting around, it's her job, well, used to be, it's in men's nature. We're not sitting around thinking, is she gonna be able to make sure that you know I can take the vacation I want, I can wear the shoes I want, I can wear the designer clothes I want, I can blah, blah, blah. We're like, now nah, I got that, I'll handle that. And so I, I just think she's revealing the nature of women. It's not in woman's nature to want to provide for or maintain a man. And so she's just keeping it real. Well, then she needs to keep it real as well that her eggs are almost powdered, which takes her value down a little bit. <laughs> so if you're looking for this lifestyle that you wanna maintain, that may be unrealistic as you get older. You may have to bring those standards down a tad bit and also you may have to adjust your standard of living in order to get you know this provider sometimes women want unrealistic you know things they want a new birkin bag every every other week or they want to be able to sit in the hair salon for 2 hours and you know do all of these things that may not the average man may not be able to keep up with getting you a brand new mercedes every other year or getting you that birkin bag or getting you those red bottom shoes that's just unrealistic but if your goal is to actually 
actually build a family, you may have to sacrifice. You might need to learn how to do your own hair. You may learn how to paint your own toenails the way your mama taught you when you was five, six years old. You may have to learn how to do some of these things on your own so that you can, which one do you want? Do you want this nice, cushy, cozy lifestyle or do you want a man? And I'm not saying you have to take a bum or somebody that you have to actually take care of. I'm saying be realistic. Sometimes these men that you're looking for, these uh, basketball or these football players with these multi-million dollar contracts, you not, you're not going to get him. So you need to be looking at the bus driver or living a, a smaller lifestyle, you're not going to get that. And too many women, like she's an attractive woman, but you have so many women that are not, they are out here, you know, uh, 195, 220 short, you know, you're not going to get that type of man. And so instead of having these unrealistic expectations, you might as well bring it down a notch and look for the good man, the man that you all can build together and, you know, not be looking to live this celebrity lifestyle. You're not Savannah James. You're not going to be able to live the way Savannah James is living. And look at the fact that she got LeBron early on. LeBron is not LeBron James going out here looking for a 40 year old woman who can't is, is, is uh, you know, the clock is about to strike 12 on having kids. So I just think a lot of times we're unrealistic. Black women go out and go for their career because they've been taught, hey, you got to do it by yourself. You need to be able to not need a man. And then instead of you just accepting the fact uh, reality and being real, you start sounding bitter because she has a bitter undertone to what she's saying. When you're saying, oh, you know, I don't expect average. I really want black men to be this, that, or the other. You, you are equating his success to his paycheck. And of course, yes, men want to be able to provide and women want a man to be able to provide. But that is not all that he's about. What if he gets on this bus every day and he makes a difference in people's lives with his conversation or they make a difference in his life and and he's content and he's coming home? You know, like, I just think that women need to get over themselves, get off this pedestal that you've jumped on. That's just not realistic. You know, you sounded exactly like Kevin Samuels. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's what Kevin Samuels would have said. That's what he said all the time. Like your expectations aren't realistic and you sound silly. Uh, you know, Ebony's listening to this saying like, well, I got this. I'm making X number of dollars. I got so much in the bank and I, I bought a house and blah, blah, blah. And if he can't, that's her mentality. But, but more important, the other thing I just want people to just accept and realize, that nature within women to always look for a provider and this whole thing of like, let's empower women because they're gonna make the world better. No, they're not. They're gonna be very narcissistic and they're gonna be looking for people that can do something for them and provide for them. It's not in their nature, other than to care for the kids that come out of their womb. 
it's not in their nature to care about anybody else. And, <laughs> and so it just, it, that just is what it is. So I want to move on to uh, your thoughts on the big George Foreman movie. Uh, I was just talking with Steve Kim about it. I loved it. I loved his first wife. I loved the fact that uh, his first wife was so beautiful, but they didn't require her to get naked and have some kind of gratuitous sex scene in the movie. You got the truth about George Foreman and how he was with his first wife and how he was in his early years without them having to throw it all in the face. This was a great movie for uh, families, sports fans, Christians. It was just an awesome movie in my opinion. Yeah, I thought it was a great movie as well, Jason. What I liked is because I always say that boxing is my favorite sport, but I don't know any of the stats. I think maybe just the the ratchet little girl in me likes to see the, the people fighting and hitting each other with, with rules, as they said in the movie. And so I got to see George Foreman, who he was at his height. Like I remember George Foreman pushing the Foreman grills. I had one, I thought it was excellent, but I do remember like, why is there all of this hype around this fat man? Like I didn't see heavyweight uh, boxer when I looked at him, but to go back and to see this movie, I came home and actually pulled up the fight between him and Muhammad Ali. And I looked at some of his greatest moments on YouTube. And I just was like, wow, you know, it got me to see who or why he had so much hype around him. And maybe even that he deserves more hype. First of all, when I watched the actual fight, I thought to myself, they don't make 25-year-olds like this anymore. Like the 25-year-olds <laughs> now are in skinny jeans, they're frail, holding a vape pen. This man at 25 had the body of a god. And I just was shocked by all of that because like I said, I remember the man selling the grill and I just, Real men, like these were the type of men that actually worked on cars and had pocket knives and had chains jingling in their pocket. I wish they made men like that now. But I love that movie because, as you said, Christians would like it. I had no idea that he left boxing to pursue ministry and that he changed his life the way that he did. It was just a really, really well put together movie. Awesome movie. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. We're going to play some tomorrow. We'll see you on Monday. Negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all deceiving We all wanna be free We want freedom